Good evening, Australia, and hello to the rest of the world. Welcome to Under the Wire, your home for censored and suppressed information about vaccinations and health. And I'm feeling like I've actually been running a bit of a marathon because all day I've gone from one meeting to another meeting to another meeting. And I have a meeting um, that just ended with the team from Tasmania, where the bus is going to be next month. And we had a fantastic meeting. And I said, we have one minute left because I need to get onto Under the wire. And um, it's just been like that all day long. But it's fantastic. It's really, really good. Um, I'm enjoying myself planning all of this and working with the most amazing team of volunteers. So thank you to all the volunteers. And thank you to all of you who are joining us tonight on Under the Wire. We have a very, very important show tonight. I only came across James Rogowski maybe a week ago. Um, and I had heard about the um, IHR, the International Health Regulations, last year. No, yes, it was last year um, when there was a big hoo-ha about the fact that these amendments were going to be going through that were basically going to take our sovereignty away. And they were going to be binding on every country in the world that agreed to be part of the United Nations. Um, and there was a lot of activism at that time to stop it. And it was stopped, we thought, but it's back again, like a bad smell. And nobody would know about it if it wasn't for people like James Roguski, who has basically been on the case of this issue for over a year. And he knows so much about this and his knowledge, his articulate way of, of communicating this has been incredible. Um, when I first heard about this, I have to say I was feeling very, very helpless because it was like everything is happening and nobody can stop it. None of us can stop it. And after speaking with James today, I just feel so much better. And I know that we can stop this effort to take away our rights, our freedoms, and the sovereignty as Australian citizens. But just because we can do it doesn't mean we will do it. We need to be active on this issue, and we need to be making sure that we do everything that we possibly can to ensure that our elected representatives know how pissed off we're going to be if they say yes, and that they will never be elected again if they say yes to these amendments and don't represent us, we the people. So um, I'm going to switch over to James. I did speak with him earlier this morning in a second. I do want to just point out that in the show notes of today's show, um, you will have two links. One of them is to James's Substack, um, and the other one is to a video that he made called 100, oh, I hope I have the name right, 100 Reasons Why um, You Should Object to the uh, Amendments of the IHR. It's probably not at all even close to that name, but that's the idea. Um, what I'd like to ask all of you to do, two things. Number one is to look through James's Substack. He has amazing articles about this issue. You can become very well informed just by watching this, uh, just by reading the articles. And number two, I'd like you to watch his video and share it as widely as you can, because it is so important that everybody 
um, is made aware of what's happening. Even if they are the most pro-vax people in the entire world, this has nothing to do with vaccination. This has to do with, do we want an organization like the World Health Organization? Uh, do we want their corrupt leaders to have the final say over everything that we are and are not allowed to do? Do we want to be slaves for the rest of our lives? Do we want our children to be slaves? And I think the answer from every one of you is going to be no. Um, and I think that the answer from every single one of the people out there who voluntarily took the COVID jab is going to be no. And I think that if we get that information, I was wondering why there were no comments. Anne says that she lost the signal, and um, I was thinking that maybe something was going wrong. Before I start the video, I will let you know that if things go haywire, um, tomorrow these this video will be up on Rumble, BitChute, Brighteon, Odyssey, and um, it is on CloudHub now, uh, and also it will be uh, on all the podcast uh, venues, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, and many others that I can't remember. So I'm sorry if you're having trouble uh, accessing this, and uh, I hope that it won't happen again. But if it does, you will be able to see it tomorrow. Thank you, Judy. Judy says everything is good there. So hopefully that won't be a problem. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to James Roguski, and I hope you get a lot out of tonight's show. As always, I will open up my iPad and try to answer the comments and questions while the show is going on. Okay, so there you go. Record now. James, thank you so much for joining us on Under the Wire. I really appreciate that. Um, now, you're someone who I've only come across recently when I started hearing about this new effort um, to yep. amend the um, IHR. So I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about your own background and how yep. long have you been involved with, with investigating and researching these issues with the United Nations trying to take over worldwide governments? And what made you first start looking into it? Um, well, uh, it's, it's getting close to a year, not quite. Um, prior to that, I've been on the planet 62 years. I don't know why we haven't bumped into each other prior to that, but um, <laughs> here we are. And so uh, about this time a year ago, I was working in my yard. I live in the Los Angeles area. I have a tiny little yard and it's a little bit of a food forest, right? Trying. And um, I was feeling okay. And I stopped. And for whatever reason, I said, God, if there's anything you want me to do, just let me know and I'll do it. So I asked for this. And <laughs> about a month later on February 7th last year, um, I've been involved in natural um, health for the second half of my life. Okay. And all my websites that I had put together um, over the last decade were gone. Um, I had about six websites dedicated to COVID and I got an email from my website hosting company and boom, it's all gone. And I, I was very much remembering that I had put out a prayer saying, Hey, you know, if you want to, and I'm like, well, that's going to free up some time because <laughs> wow. those are all gone. That was occupying my time. I had, you know, I talked about ivermectin long before anybody and all, all that other stuff. And um, so they just dropped you what, like that without any. I, I think I know. I, I think I know what 
what it was on January 21st of 2022, um, the FDA authorized the outpatient injectable use of remdesivir in infants. And my head just exploded. I wrote a couple of articles. I'm like, ah, are you kidding me? Right. And then next thing I turn around, all my websites are gone. I'm like, I don't know. You know, they don't tell you, right? It's a coincidence, but, total coincidence. But I actually, I, I sat there looking at the computer screen going, all right, um, boy, that's going to free up some time. Maybe it's a blessing. And a little while later, I was sort of dragged out of bed at four in the morning to go search on the internet, which is not unusual for me. But I found a document. I, I was reading a blog. And I found a document on March 28th of last year that there was one blog that said, um, oh, you know, we were talking to people and we found this document and it was a hyperlink that just said document. And I clicked on it and it was the uh, Biden administration's proposed amendments similar to what we're talking about now, but last year's version. Yeah. And I was like, I, I got a, you know, just a lightning bolt down my spine. I'm like, oh, there's something I could do. Okay. And be careful what you ask for, because um, from that moment in time, I've been, uh, you know, that was the entry into the rabbit hole that is all things WHO. A year ago, I had no idea what the international health regulations were. Right. Okay. But now, you know, I'm Joe health regulations. Right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I've read them and I've read them and I've read them again and again and again. And at some point I, I, I realized, oh, these are not health related. They really should be called the international surveillance, monitoring, compliance, reporting, um, emergency declaring fear mongering regulations. Okay. And, and what they want to add in, command and control. And yeah. that's what they're doing now. So what happened earlier in the year is a whole long story, but in May, what they had proposed got kicked to the curb, but they agreed to have the process be more open. And boy, is that, you know, said with tongue in cheek, it has not been open at all. They clamped it way down. They, they set up a working group um, for studying, amending the international health regulations. And that was supposed to meet in mid-November, which they did. But they told all of the nations, well, since you didn't like the fact that the United States was trying to sneak these through and force them on you, what do you guys want, right? So they said, Sub submit proposed amendments by September 30th, which they did. Yeah. And on October 1st, the Director General, Tedros Ghebreyesus, created a International Health Regulations Review Committee. So there's a review committee that answers to Tedros, and then there's a working group that's supposed to be negotiating this. Okay. Well, they met in October a couple of times. They met in November and December. And I've been screaming and yelling and ranting and raving ever since. Um, in October, I did a Freedom of Information request. I actually did four. And 
people in Canada, the United Kingdom, two people in the United Kingdom, Finland, um, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, all you know, with their individual nations requested, can we see what these amendments are? Right. And my favorite response went to the two people from the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom pretty much said, yeah, we have them, but we're not going to give them to you. And so, you know, clearly we knew that the documents were there. I'm still, you know, nagging on um, the FOIA people. I have them. They finally got around to publishing them. Right. And FOIA, you know, the FOIA organization in both the State Department and the Health and Human Services, That's they still can't find information. It. That's freedom of, freedom information, of information for the people in Australia. Accurate. Yeah. All right. right. And so um, ultimately what happened was... Um, November 25th, which for here in the United States, it's a, it's a major holiday. We have Thanksgiving on Thursday and Friday, everybody's shopping and, you know, basically on Black Friday, they let it out that 14 nations had um, submitted amendments. And then just before the Christmas holidays, they let it out. These are the amendments. Right. And so it's been about a month and people are starting now to pay attention. Uh, oh, my God. They are. Use your wildest imagination and your wildest imagination might be worse, but they're pretty bad. It's they're amazing. pretty bad. You've had these for only a month, and I've linked to your 100 reasons why we need to oppose, I'm probably not the right term, why we need to oppose the amendments to the IHR. And you, I've never actually seen, hat tip to you, I've never seen anyone so clearly and so concisely describe a hundred reasons why i mean usually you'd be lucky to get eight or ten reasons why you shouldn't do something but you had a hundred very clear very accurate reasons referring back you will find this on page two and three you will find this on page one three and 35 you know it's amazing the job that you've done there and well, i you know really i'm glad i'm glad that you i'm you know i'm glad that you um reviewed it thank you for that um have to go on what is it rotten tomatoes or something um, and do a movie review for me because it's, you know, it's an hour and a half long. You're the first person to say it was concise. Um, well, it, there's a story, <laughs> right. There, there's a story in the United States. It's a thing where, you know, children have the summer off and then when they come back to school in the fall, their first assignment is to talk about what they did during their summer vacation. Yep. Well, um, the hundred reasons to stop the amendments, I'm sorry, stop the treaty, stop the amendments and exit the who that's how I spent my Christmas holidays. Okay. I was reading them, getting it all sorted out in my head. And then at some point I realized, well, somebody's going to have to do this. I guess it's going to be me. And so thank you for watching it. And the most gratifying thing is I've spoken to a couple of people and they, the, the one in my, that comes to mind is he'd watched the first half of it and taken some notes and he could just say, this and this and this and this and this, I, I, I translated legalese World Health Organization jargon yes. into, I think, comprehensible English so that you're not going to remember all 100. I can't remember five of them, okay? <laughs> but they're all there and you can look through them and listen and the audio and the video are transcribed so you can read along. Yep. And 
if you don't like number 11 and you don't like number 17 and 40 and 38 and 72, you just jot down the numbers, you go, oh, I don't like that. Then you know how you feel. Now, to digress a little bit, and at the risk of confusing people, we're talking about the international health regulations and amendments to them. But on a parallel path, many people absolutely get this completely confused with negotiations for a proposed pandemic treaty. Yes. That's not what we're talking about. If anybody says the word treaty, they're either totally confused, and, and that's the point. I, I, I believe it's a decoy. It's a real thing. It's horrible. I talk about it, but it is on a slower path. This potentially could be on a much quicker path, but everybody gets them all confused. And yep. so over the course of this past year, I've done a lot about the treaty as well as the amendments. There's a website that I have that I think is very entertaining, and I do think people should go there. It's called screwthewho.com. <laughs> and in September, we got a couple of hundred people. Some of the people you'll know, they're personalities, right? Um, but we got a couple of hundred regular people to learn about what it was. And the WHO had set up a system where they um, asked people to hold up their identification to be identified, your passport or your um, driver's license or whatever. And then you would be able to give a 90 second presentation, your opinion, your public comment, okay? Right. Well, a lot of people didn't want to identify themselves in that way. They were a little bit weary, wary of doing that. So I said, hey, submit it to me and I'll put it up on screwthewho.com. And so I encourage everybody, go to screwthewho.com. It was from September 9th, I believe, on my Substack, And see what your fellow men and women from around the world had to say about the treaty. Hey, people, let's do the same thing. Go to my Substack, jamesruguski.substack.com. You got it right on the screen there. Yeah. Scroll down to the 100 Reasons article. Listen to the 100 Reasons. Whichever ones, you know, if you like them, if you think that's all great, then by all means, express yourself. But if you think that some of these are problematic, jot down the numbers and the ideas and record your own video and say whatever it is you want to say and let the WHO know. Um, I hope you watch mine that I did back in September because I ripped them a new one and <laughs> they actually published it. Wow. To their credit. Amazing. Yeah. And, then I, and then I also did a super, super sarcastic one just because, you know, I like to try to keep a good sense of humor while the world is crumbling. Um, let's all come together and make it really clear to them I don't care if they're going to play some trick and say, oh, we, we weren't really going to try to pass it this year. We're just talking about it. We were never going to do it until 2024. My attitude is you're not ever going to do it. Okay. We, the people, see what you're trying to do. The genie is out of the bottle. It will not go back in and you will not implement changes that would give the, and I'll start on the top 10 because you want to do that. 
I um, do. Before you start that, I have one question, though, because I do yeah. remember clearly last year, I thought it was August, but you said it was May, when the World Health Organization, the United States government wanted to introduce amendments. And very quickly, within a matter of weeks, that was all no good. It was pulled back and they said, no, we're not going to do that. We are slap, slap on the wrist. We're not going to do it. Did you and your activism have anything to do with the fact that they had to stop last year? I, I think it had something to do, but I think that what actually happened um, isn't what people think happened, okay? And um, I, I would be more than happy to explain that so people understand it, but there's a small piece of it that I don't have evidence for, and right. I, I'd like to just talk about, look, here's their document, here's what it says, right? So I'll give you all the evidence and the facts as as I understand the occurred. They submitted the documents January 18th, four months in advance, as per their rules, okay? Buried, one one blogger um, posted about it, and but I didn't see it then. And nobody else, there was nothing, okay? Um, I, through the grace of God, I guess, was guided to find it, read it, understand it, I published an article called Wake Up and Smell the Burning of Our Constitution on March 31st. Um, people in the World Council for Health uh, heard about what it was, and I gave a presentation to them. And then I gave a presentation to some folks from Children's Health Defense. And while I was doing it, I said, oh, the WHO has said that at some point they're going to have public comment. And as I was screen sharing the page, it it was suddenly there, okay? And so I believe, I, I may be wrong a little bit on the dates, but somewhere around April 6th or 7th, they said, oh, you can make public comments until the 13th. And you can fill out, yeah, big long time. And you can fill out um, uh, a, a request to have time to speak. All right. They had on the 12th and the 13th of April. Now, this was for the treaty. Okay. And so, as it turned out, I think we had more than a half a dozen people um, who were able to speak. And I was shocked. I was given a chance to give my two minute presentation. And now, this is for the treaty. And so, when I was researching the pandemic treaty, it was only proposals. It was not something that actually existed. So I said, all right, great. If you guys want to talk about this, I wrote the People's Treaty. So if you go to thepeoplestreaty.com, you'll learn what your unalienable rights are that they have been abusing. And so they asked for people to speak and I was one of the people who had an opportunity. So I got two minutes to read the People's Treaty. In that span of time, we found out later, because they hid it for many months, in less than a week, we got 33,884 people to submit public comment. Wow. They hid it at some point after the May assembly. Um, they posted that 
um, they got some comments and, you know, the majority of people were against the treaty. And then they were going to have another public comment period in June and they canceled it. And they literally put up on their webpage, we want the public comments to support what we're doing. So we've canceled. I kid you not. Okay. And, uh, and, and I think, I think the name of the article that I published about that was, you know, I'm so pissed off. So anyways, we ultimately, they did publish all 33,000, had a group of people go through them. 99.9% .9 of them were, we don't want you doing this. Don't, don't do this. Okay. And so between the public comment that they hid and the hundreds of videos that people did on screwthewho.com, um, and I've also re, um, gotten audios and things like that, the people of the world, if given an opportunity to look at this, I, I cannot say unanimously, because there are people who benefit from these changes. And so now, now that's all factual, documented stuff. Here is where I'm going to give an opinion that I don't have, I don't have any evidence. The amendments that Biden and the administration proposed were actually started by the Trump administration. Now I, I take that back, this is factual, okay? I'm, I'm going to get into some um, opinion in a moment. Along the way, we came to find out that there were a lot of Republican Congress people who were very much in support of the Biden amendments. And you just go, in what world, okay? Yeah. Um, well, that's because it was Republicans who started the process to do this. All right. So forget about one world government. You know, we've got a one party country where they just pretend to be separate. Yeah. Yeah. It's all it's all theater. OK. And so what really happened. And now this is my opinion. And if somebody can show me facts that I'm wrong, by all means, please do. There was nothing but sticks beating on the nations of the world saying, you must do this. You must do this. You must do this. There weren't any carrots. Well, you know, you want to have all of these regulations. You want to give all the power to the WHO. The smaller nations of Africa and the world and so forth said, well, what's in it for us? Why would we, you know? And so they stopped the process, not because of the reasons that I would have stopped the process, but they stopped it nonetheless. And they set up a process where they thought they were going to be able to have an influence in it. And when you read Article 44A and you read, um, I believe it's Article 18 in the treaty, money, 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 money is going to be flowing down from the heavens like manna. They've been talking about up to $60 billion a year for pandemic preparedness. Now, I don't think they're going to get that, but the WHO's budget on a yearly basis is less than $4 billion. Wow. They want gobs of money. You know, there's a there's a yeah. saying, follow the money, right? They want gobs of money to funnel into an acronym that I'm stealing from them. Um, if anyone uses the word pandemic ever, you have to ask them, 
Um, what's your definition of a pandemic? Because I have been completely unable to find a definition in the law. Okay. In the international health regulations, there is a phrase that is defined in the document, and it's called a fake public health emergency of international concern. P H E I C. They telegraph this. <laughs> oh, we're pulling a fake, people. Right? There's an emergency. There's there's some Ebola. There's some Marburg. There's some COVID. There's some flu. There's some polio. There's some um, you know, the latest one is, uh, is uh, go to um, catastrophiccontagion.com and you'll, you'll literally, the name of the problem is S-E-E-R-S. They are clearly psychic seers. And the next pandemic is going to start in eastern Venezuela in 2025. Okay. Okay. Um, we know, we know because they are, what are planning what it. Are they, what are they doing? Okay. And, and, and so the smaller nations back in May said, look, um, this is just all telling us what to do. You know, there's nothing in it for us. And there's a word in the English language that has, they're attempting to co-op and change, but they haven't defined it in their definitions. And that word is equity. You talk about racial equity, gender equity, whatever it may be. Well, if you're talking about stocks and bonds, they're called equities. Okay. If, if you buy a house and you pay down the mortgage and you fix it up and you've got a benefit, there, you've got equity in your property, right? Well, all of the nations are screaming, maybe rightfully so, for equity. And they want people to think, oh, there's racism involved or, or, or that sort of thing. Um, but really what they want is a piece of the pie. They want money. And since they never argue or discuss actual health-related things, they are in the strange position of arguing that it was not fair that the European Union, Canada, the United States, Israel, and whatever, bought up like 10 shots per capita you know, tons and tons of the product that everybody's sticking in their arm. Yeah. And the poor nations didn't have enough money to do that to their people. Okay. And, and so they're in this position of arguing that they were shortchanged because they didn't get as many jabs as the nations who are now dealing with the problems that that may have caused. Well, what's, what's really going on here is they want the production capacity, be, production capacity for pandemic response products. They want investment to go into their nations. Really, if you, if you look at it with any kind of reason, what do you want to do? Kill your people faster with these poisonous injections? They're under some spell that these products are good and that having more of them is better. And the most um, interesting thing that has happened in some of these meetings is they had what they call informal focused consultations. And on September 21st, they had their first one and they had four experts and they asked them, 
if we're going to have all of these rules and we are going to be demanding that nations be prepared, right? Pandemic prevention, preparedness, um, recovery and, and response and recovery. How are we going to measure preparedness? Okay. And what, what metrics could the WHO enforce on a country saying, well, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. Now realizing none of this is about health. It's all about surveillance. Okay. Yeah. The experts actually said, well, you know, we owe it to ourselves to recognize that the metrics that we were using before COVID proved to be useless. You would have thought Italy and Spain and Portugal and Germany and the UK and the United States, you would have thought with, you know, the expense that they put into healthcare and the production capacity and the GDP and everything else, right? You would have thought that they would have had better results, but all the poorer nations who didn't use the drugs and didn't get the jabs and got shortchanged, well, you know, they've done better. Okay. And so the experts were, you know, the experts are not allowed to understand that there might be a correlation there. Okay. You yeah. guys did it all wrong, even though you're wealthy, these groups were not wealthy. So they had to figure out less expensive ways to use things that made them healthier. And, and they they did better. And it worked. And, and they said, you know, we don't really have any metrics by which we could tell you that a nation is actually prepared. So that right there wipes out the, the, the concept that you could enforce some kind of preparedness when your experts are telling you, we don't know, right? But it goes a step further, and I'm going to jump a little bit into the treaty. Yes. where um, they have various um, principles in the treaty. And one of the principles is that there should never be any health-related guidance um, unless there is science, okay? You have to have scientific backing for any kind of guidance, right? And they use the word guidance, which is, it, it, you know, that implies a recommendation or a suggestion. Yeah as opposed to an order, right? And so if you don't do anything else other than look at the 32 page um, um, conceptual zero draft of the treaty. Is that or on the your 46, Is that legal? It's all, it's all there, yep, right. absolutely. Okay. Um, but, uh, but we're really not talking about the treaty, okay? No. There's a 32-page draft of the treaty. There's a 46-page draft of the amendments. If you just scroll down to the bottom of the PDF, you won't find a single footnote. All of these recommendations to do all of the things that they're trying to force upon the, the world, none of them are backed by any kind of science. Let me ask you something, because um, with the IHR, I think what people need to understand is that once this is all approved, all these amendments are approved, they become binding on every member nation of the United Nations. So in other words, they have to, the member nations have to abide by them. With the treaty, is that also binding or is that just, as you said, I'll, recommendations? I'll, I'll, take them, I'll take them one at a time, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll start with the treaty, which is really not what we're concerned about right now. No. The treaty 
they're piling everything that they could possibly imagine. They want to control animal, pet health, wild animal health, domesticated, your pets, everything, Um, our agriculture, the environment, every aspect. They call it one health, right? It's a step towards the sustainable development goals. They want to do everything in there. But under Articles 19 and 20 in their constitution, the path to get that approved is a bit harder. They would need two-thirds of the nations in the World Health Assembly to agree to it. And then each nation would have to sign it or have Senate confirmation or what have you. It's a more difficult path, okay? I'd love to talk about that, but I don't really want to because that's another story. Um, The issue with that is they did something similar in 2003. They created a convention or framework convention to control tobacco. And in 2003, President George W. Bush signed it. That makes it an executive agreement, a sole executive agreement. Never bothered to ask the Senate. And nobody said anything. And I'm guilty. I didn't know, right? I found out recently. So they don't even need, you know, think about Obama signing the climate accords and then Trump unsigning them. And then, okay, so leaders can get nations into trouble by just signing on. Yeah, yeah. And then another leader comes in and goes, no, we're not doing it. You change, you know, it's a shifting sands, okay? All right, forget about that. We're talking about the proposed amendment. Hmm. Because these um, agreements have actually been around for hundreds of years, they used to be sanitary regulations. Think indoor plumbing and sewage and you know waste removal, that kind of thing. Um, they all got wrapped up into the WHO when it was founded in 1940s. Um, in 1969, they changed the name and they were focused on like six, um, you know, yellow fever, polio, that kind of thing, smallpox, you know, th- those sorts of things. Um, they went through a major revision in 2005, 2007. And part of the rules that are already agreed to are rules that govern how you would amend the agreement. Okay. And so if they get a simple majority, not two thirds, so there's 194 nations, half of that is 97. So if 98 countries say yes, then it's yes. Okay. Now the way they like to do that is by consensus, which what that really means is they do all kinds of backroom deals. Everybody's on board. Everybody's got their deals that they're happy with. And then they hold up the document in the meeting and they say, are there any objections? And they'll wait like 10 or 15 seconds. And okay, there aren't any objections, hit the gavel, that's been adopted, right? And so even if the public was watching, you don't have any, and and in the last um, assembly, they literally had on camera while they were live streaming, they said, okay, we're gonna gonna have a whole group of people. We've got a back room reserved. You guys can go there and discuss this and we'll let you know what we decide when we get back. (laughs) And you're like, that's transparency, okay? I mean, they literally, recorded themselves doing that, right? And so if a simple majority 
of the member nations, and it's not the United Nations, it's 194 member nations of the WHO. There's slight discrepancies between the UN and the WHO, so just keeping it clear. Um, there are no signatures needed. There is no Senate confirmation required because we've already agreed that that's the process by which things would be amended. And okay? based on and this, now there's based on this there's incredibly a opaque process. <laughs> this organization, I'm thinking about Australia, where Paul Kelly, Professor Paul Kelly, who has been pushing for this mandates and pushing for you know people not to have a choice when it comes to medical procedures. He is actually our representative in this process. So based on these people who really are not elected, they are not accountable to anyone in their country, they're making they have a diplomatic community. That's that's yeah. exactly right. And they are making decisions that are going to contravene our own laws, our own constitution, and take away our ability to make these most basic choices for ourselves. I want people to understand that because that's how serious this is. They're giving themselves power to declare emergencies. And one of the things they changed, we're kind of touching on some of the top 10, if you want to run right sure. through them, we certainly yeah. can. One of the things that they want to change is um, expanding the scope of what they're allowed to consider to be an emergency. If there's an emergency, there's an emergency, there's criteria by which you define what that is. They now want to be able to declare that there's a public health emergency of international concern if there's something that could potentially be an emergency. Yeah. So it's like, anything they want and we pretty much saw that um with um i call it moneypox uh the advisory committee said no but tedros said yes and so dictator rules that means yes okay and so um you know if you've ever been in a family and the kids get to vote and and they outvote their parents but then the parents go oh this isn't a democracy we don't know what you guys are thinking it's a dictatorial situation. Yeah. And so it's nice that you are in opposition to it, but when there's a dictator in charge and the meaning of the word dictator comes from Roman times where they would choose somebody that in an emergency would be given power to dictate orders, okay? You can't have really a dictator unless you've got this everlasting emergency situation. Now. There's a, there's a conflict between the thought, which is misguided, that, oh, it's an emergency, so forget about your rights, okay? Unalienable human rights are not derogable, cannot be stomped on, whether or not there is an emergency. That's what unalienable means. Okay, you've been given a birthright by your creator. Rights that come from your creator cannot legitimately be trampled by man unless you get confused and you go, oh, yeah, okay. All right, unalienable means if you had a moment of confusion and you let them get away with it once, that does not mean 
that you cannot then go, well, wait a minute. Um, you had me confused before, and I let you stomp on my rights, but those rights come from my creator. They're unalienable. I want them back. You can't have them. Okay? And that's where we are, people. We're, we're waking up to the fact that these emergencies, I mean, come on. Emergency of international concern, it's a fake. It is a fake. These emergencies are fake to trick you into being afraid to hand over your rights that they know they, they can't legally take from you. But part of their mental makeup is, well, you know, if we trick you into giving them over to us and you voluntarily do it, that's your, that's, that's bad on you. Okay. If, if you're able to, see through the deception and go, you don't have any right to take away my unalienable rights, then you feel confident to stand up. Now, they have guns and they have brutal tactics and they're evil, okay? So yes, it's not easy. I, I know, I, I'm not kidding anybody. They, we all know that. They'll pepper spray an old lady falling down on the ground, yeah. right? They'll have a horse knock over, you know, uh, someone, um, they don't play fair, right? But they want everybody to obey their dictates and they're trying to enshrine it in international law. And I will admit they have a, a neat little system set up that they're trying to do this, right? And so I was about to say earlier that there was a caveat, okay? Now, even if a majority of the nations approved and adopted the amendments. Each individual country, and it's written in the international health regulations, could simply have their foreign minister or their president or premier or prime minister or whatever it may be, write a letter to the WHO, sign it and say, no, thank you. Um, it's really nice that you guys went through all this trouble to make all of these amendments, but they don't apply to Australia. They don't apply to the United States. Ah. No thanks. Okay. Um, they've tried to shorten the time period by which you can get your government to do that, but you have to get your government to do that. Right. Now, the ultimate answer, in my humble opinion, okay, is very much analogous to uh, a spousal relationship whichever um, way it goes, if you're in an abusive relationship and the abuser said, I want you to agree to let me absolutely abuse you. You let me have complete and total control and I can just tell you what to do all the time and you're, you're signing off on it, okay? I think your friends would say, well, of course you shouldn't allow that agreement to happen and you really need to leave. Okay. Um, the WHO is an abusive yeah. partner. If we, if we remain in that partnership, then we are contributing to their abuse of any other nation. Okay. I ask anybody, what has the WHO done for you recently or what have they done to you? Are they, well, zero on the four and a lot on the two. <laughs> and so 
Do you want to stay in a relationship with an abusive partner that wants you to give them absolute domination over you? I think it's a pretty simple question. Yeah, nobody would answer yes to that. Nobody. And, and you know, we're. I know we're running out of time. I have to get you back on so we can do all of this and go through. I have links to all of this in the show notes, so we'll make sure that everybody can see it. But um, I think at this point in time, I don't necessarily want to go through all of the aspects that are that are um, covered in here, but there are a couple that I think people need to really hear about. And one of them is it, it speaks to what you just discussed about the abusive relationship. I think some of the state governments, you mentioned the old woman getting pepper sprayed. Well, that's Victoria. Victoria is an abusive government. Dan Andrews, the premier of Victoria, as far as I am concerned personally, is an abuser. But um, not every state is like that. But in this IHR, in these amendments, um, number three in your list is seek to remove respect for dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. Like, how can we possibly approve signing something like this? Can you speak to that a bit? Let me clarify that, okay? Um, the existing international health regulations, Article 3, which is the core principles that are what the IHR are supposed to be about, it currently says that they must be implemented with the full respect for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. And the amendments would cross those words out and replace it with equity and inclusivity and, and a phrase that you know boggles the mind. And none of those words are defined. Okay. And so, you know, if you want the short version and you want the sound bite they handed it to us on a silver platter. I, when, I, when I first read it, my jaw opened and I saw myself with my jaw hanging open. And I was like, that's astonishing. But there it is, you know, in, in digital print. Wow, what a blessing. They've made this so blatantly, egregiously, horribly bad that this is something that if, if anybody can look at that and go, yeah, that sounds good. We don't need those things. Those things are getting in the way. All these people that are worried about their dignity and their human rights and their fundamental freedoms, they are the problem. Okay? There's going to be some people who advocate for that. I mean, they're doing it. Okay. Yeah. And so my, my um, approach is, hey, here's the information. Um, look it over and tell me your opinion. Now, if somebody can look at article, the changes to Article 3 and go, oh, you know, that's exactly what the world needs. Less dignity, less human rights, and less fundamental freedoms. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board. This is wonderful. Well, get them on camera, okay? Record them saying that. Oh, you're for this, right? You're for Article 13A. You're for Annex 10. You're for, you know... Um, changing recommendations from being non-binding to making them mandatory. Oh, okay, great. You know, you're for all of these things. Thank you very much for your time. You're not going to convince them, right? Work with the people who look at this and, and realize what we're facing. We're facing not just plans and proposals for one world 
totalitarian dictatorship, we're facing implementation in law of those long talked about plans and proposals. Yep. Okay. It's not theoretical anymore. The rubber is hitting the proverbial road and they want to implement what they've been planning. Yeah. And the, these are the founding documents. And I'm actually very optimistic and very confident because the answer is no. Yeah. I, I don't care how you want to phrase it, how you want to sugarcoat it. It's really very simple. No to the treaty, no to the amendments, and no to continuing the relationship with anybody who would want to try to trick you into handing over your dignity, your human rights, and your fundamental freedoms. No. Yeah. It's funny, as a mother of four children, no was the first or second word that most of my children learned. And yet most of us, when we become adults, we forget how to say no. I think it's something we have to learn again. No, you're just not doing that to us. There's another point in the um, information that you're sending to Congress, number five, give the World Health Organization the authority to require medical examinations proof of prophylaxis or proof of vaccination, proof or, well, it can, prophylaxis can be a drug also, proof of vaccine, and to implement contact tracing, quarantine, and treatment. What could possibly go wrong? I mean, that's very concerning. Well, those are all things that are currently listed in the international health regulations as either temporary or standing recommendations. Okay, great. That's your opinion. Thank you very much for your opinion. I think I'll take another path. Leave me alone. Okay. Oh, but wait a minute. Um, if they want to make this legally binding and they want to erase, because the phrase non-binding recommendation is redundant. Of course, a recommendation is non-binding. Otherwise, it would be an order. Okay. And, and so um, people will argue this point because you have to piece together many different articles where um, there's, there's one aspect of it where um, they have a committee that would review the actions of certain nations. And it says in there that the committee's ruling would be final. And if you read through the whole document, you might not notice but if you take that document and you throw it into um, online um, functions that will count the words, the word shall, which means you must, shows up 263 times. Mm. So yeah. it's one thing to say, you know, I recommend that you do this or you should do this or you may do this versus you shall. OK, so they basically want to turn an advisory uh, organization under Article 23 in their constitution into a command and control organization under Articles 20, I'm sorry, 19, 20, 21 and 22. And so do you want Tedros Ghebreyesus to tell everyone on the planet what's best for them? Not at all. Um, Not at all. Or. Or do you think that maybe each person should have the right to decide for themselves, along with 
whomever advises them, wherever they get their information. You know, and not to mention there's whole sections of um, they should be given all kinds of money to control information. Okay. And, and so I just encourage everyone to read the document, watch the um, hundred reasons that are my opinion. Okay. If you disagree with my opinion, let me give you my phone number. It's 310-619-3055. And I mean what I'm about to say sincerely. I really do. If I learn something new every day, that's a good day. If somebody calls me up and says, Jim, you're wrong. And here's why you're wrong. Okay. If you have the evidence that I'm wrong, you will be my best friend. If you can convince me that I've made a mistake on any of this, okay? Now, you can have a different opinion, but if you have evidence that anything is wrong, because all I'm doing is showing people what is in their document. Now, maybe I made a mistake somewhere, and you could be my best friend. I've got, and I do have friends all around the world. Um, <laughs> shout out to Mrs. H in the UK and, and my girlfriend and other people. Um, they look at everything I do and they go, Jim, you got a typo. This word's wrong. You got to change that. Okay. To that level, if, if somebody wants to um, point out that I could be better, that's the problem that we have. These people can never be seen as allowing themselves to admit that they have been so wrong on so many different levels. I'm not going to be like them. If I'm wrong, You'll be my best friend if you point out how to make, you know, how I can be yeah. better. It's right? called a debate, um, and it used to be a good thing to debate something and to yeah, have this yeah. open exchange of ideas. That's what we actually consider to be the peak of education, an open exchange and, of ideas. And, and if you want to argue the other side, I, I never say be an advocate for the D guy, okay? I don't use that phrase. But if you want to argue the other side of the debate, um, let's record every word you say. So you go right ahead and you stand up for these amendments. You stand up for these treaties and, and you publicly make a statement and watch what happens um, to people who do that, right? Yeah. The people of the world are smart enough to be able to read these documents and know that it's not right. And that it cannot be allowed to be adopted. And it's, it's really simple. They've overstepped. They've overplayed their hand. They were trying to hide it. The genie's out of the bottle. They're not going to hide it. Um, the best they're going to be able to do is say, oh, you people are such, you know, you're, 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 you're blowing this up. We were never going to pass this in 2023. <laughs> we're just talking about it. This is headed for 2024. And I'm like, no, it's headed for the garbage bin. The answer is no in 2023. The answer is no in 2024. Just take your nice pile of words and throw them in the trash. We're not having it. And that's how strong we actually need to be because if if this gets passed, which of course, as you're saying, it will not be. Not gonna. Then, it's then, not gonna. That's right. Then then our laws and our protections that we actually 
voted for representatives to pass are gone. They're gone. So we cannot allow so this I'll to you, happen. I'll give you one last little thing, okay? Um, the situation in Australia is different than everywhere, but it's different than the United States and other countries. Australia's delegates did not submit any amendments, to my knowledge. So I'm not blaming Australia for what's going on. And all of Australia can look at their delegates and say, well, okay, you didn't participate in this abomination. Good on you, okay? But you're also not speaking up against it, and you better start. Now, in the United States, our delegates submitted documents. In many other countries, people in those countries have to talk to their delegates and go, what in the world did you think you were doing? You need to retract those right now, right? And it's not about negotiating for a better deal, okay? It's like, look, any organization that would attempt this kind of worldwide power grab coup to take over control of the world needs to be abolished, yep. period. And in Australia, there is a group starting up. I think it's called Australia Exit the Who. I don't think their website is up yet, but there are efforts to start this here. And um, how is it that people who are watching this now can support these efforts? Who should they be contacting? I didn't mean to say who, but, you know, it is a word in English language. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what should they be doing at this point in time? How um, long do we have? I, when is this happening? Um, well, all these negotiations, I mean, the moment is now, regardless of when anybody sees this, mm -hmm. okay? Um, it isn't imminent at this second that you have to jump out of the car and go run to your capital and argue about it. Um, Time is wasting, so get on it now. The easiest thing is go to jamesroguski.substack.com, get all of the information. Um, their website is on a uh, server that they're testing and it's gonna pop over, so what you said is accurate. And I asked them last night if I could publish what I was gonna publish to point to their thing, and they said, you know, give us a day or so. So people need a day or so to dig into this information so that they can understand you can certainly start by sharing this video with everybody because job number one right now is to raise the alarm you know let everybody know that this is going on don't panic it's not that kind of thing um there are a couple of um politicians senators congress people all that sort of thing around the world who are aware and are supportive but People in politics generally don't lead. This is the time where the people have to come together. People have to unite and they have to say, look, you work for us. You don't take away our rights. We hire you. You're doing a job that we pay you to do. You will do what we tell you. It's the wrong way around right now. And that's what needs to change. 100%. I think that's great advice. That's wonderful. James, I know you have to get going because you've got another interview right after this, but I want to have you back on. Um, Anytime. And, and I'd love Anytime. to talk to you further about these amendments, but thank you again so much. And I hope people will go to your Substack, subscribe to that, and, and come away better informed about this issue and share it with others. The, the, the Substack is free. Okay, so subscribing only means you can read it for free if you want to um, 
click on, you know, just let me read it. If you put your email in, um, it's, it becomes a newsletter and whatever I publish, you'll get it in your email. Um, but everything I've ever done, I've always given away. This is not about that. This is about this information. You know, I plan on living on this planet for a long time. And I certainly don't want the bureaucrats at the WHO telling me what to do. Okay. And if I ever want to travel to Australia, I'm not going to get jibby jabbed. And so um, I don't want to have to have a health certificate to, you know, go visit the world. Um, And I think everyone else should want the same thing. And I think they do. They just don't know how to how to protect that. But you've given some great advice. And once again, I really thank you. And I will have you back on shortly. Thank you, James. Thank you very much. Take care. See you. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, I think he's pretty amazing. And we only got through a couple of the 10 items that I wanted to talk about. Um, There's so much information there. But please do go visit his Substack and read some of the articles there. You will learn an awful lot. And within a couple of days, I think, probably by the end of the weekend, um, uh, Australia exit the who i had to remember what it was should be up and online and you might want to consider donating some of your time to help with this because it is going to be a huge issue and they will have a campaign running very soon after they start um for parliamentarians and others so uh you know that you won't have to do a lot of work, but your involvement will be very, very useful and very helpful at stopping this before it starts. As James says, it's not just going to be delaying it until 2024, 2025. It's saying this whole policy has to go into the circular filing cabinet, just chuck the whole thing out. So um, I I think that uh, there is hope here, but there was also um, a need for everyone to become involved. You can't sit back on your laurels and wait for someone else to do it. We all need to be working on this. So on that note, um, please watch this space. Um, The Vaxxed bus is going to be leaving on the 29th of January for Tasmania. Uh, Rachel is asking, how do I donate time? Once the website is up, they should have information there about what's needed and um, you can contact them. It's not the AVN and it's not informed choice. So you need to get in touch with them, but I'm sure they would be very grateful to get any assistance that you can give them. So um, if if you can wait a couple of days, then um, that information should be up. Just make a note of the name Exit Australia Exit the Who. And you can probably do a search and I will definitely put something up on my Substack, which is informedchoice.substack.com. So that would be fantastic. And um, I just started to say that the bus is leaving on the 29th of January for Tasmania. Um, If you go to the AVN website, you will see all of the dates and times when we're going to be on the road. If you are in Tasmania, we would love you to come and see us. And while I'm in Tasmania, I will not be doing Under the Wire, but we will be doing nearly daily um, uh, interviews with families who have either had loved ones um, injured 
were killed by jabs and not just the COVID jab, but any vaccine. And also those who didn't vaccinate to share what their story was. So keep checking out the platform. Um, you will hopefully see all those interviews coming across Facebook, BitChute, Brighty on Odyssey, all of those fun things. And um, we would love to see you watching us so that you can share the interviews and make sure that everybody who needs this information has access to it. So on that note, everyone, I want to wish you all such a good night. I want to thank you for joining us on Under the Wire. Thank you, Mitchell. I appreciate it. Michelle, sorry, I, I read it wrong. <laughs> it's getting a bit late and I'm getting bleary-eyed. Um, Thank you all so much, and I will see you next week on Under the Wire. Take care.